0: Thank you for tuning into the Debbie devotional podcast, a monthly show focusing on Debbie prospects, strategies, and incoming rookies. Now here's your host. Welcome back to the Debbie Devotional, where we stay devoted to Debbie. I'm your host Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on Twitter. But tonight we have a very special guest. We haven't done a guest in quite some time, uh, but you know it's the offseason. Uh, you know that's generally what we do: bring on some big names, some people that are made probably a little smarter than us. Uh, and so we went ahead and, and stuck with that, and we and we brought on Travis May uh, at FF underscore travis m on twitter and he is the lead college football analyst at mojo uh something that he can tell you about here in a little bit and the host of the college to canton podcast on the RotoViz feed um i am personally in a group chat with uh, a very nerdy group chat with travis and uh, he's gone into some detail about mojo and and everything that he's doing there and it seems very very cool uh but first and foremost how are you doing tonight travis Doing great. Just uh, always glad to talk
1: football. Uh, Gets to do it all day and then all night. So that's good. Perfect.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it
1: was nice to meet you guys. And uh, can't wait to break down some of these incoming
0: 2023 rookies and uh, whatever else we want to throw in there. <laughs> Yeah, and we're definitely going to be doing that. Um, Every year, uh, Travis brings on or or, or puts out a rookie poll mock draft or whatever you want to call it. And uh, rookie mock poll, I guess. Very long hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, that is definitely very true. And uh, it's very interesting. And I thought it was very timely and a good time to bring him on uh, so that we could cover all of that. Um, Aaron, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I haven't said hi to you just yet.
2: Well, I'm doing well, John. Thank you, and, and happy to have you, Travis. Thanks again for coming on. I'm excited to talk about some football here. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. So, like I said, Travis is with uh, Mojo. Is it is it just Mojo? Is that what you call it, or is it actually Mojo Markets? Um,
1: I think on Twitter it might be Mojo Markets, uh, but yeah, it's just Mojo. Um, okay. it, it's funny. It's just uh, you know, the idea is that uh, I don't know. Like you, you. you don't want to lose your mojo in sports, right? Like you, know, you, you, you right. found your mojo if you're you know on a roll in sports, and so it's kind of wrapped around that. But uh, I can get into mojo here if you want me, me to. Now I don't know how many people are even very uh, familiar with it, but
0: uh, it's it's pretty new. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know it's not necessarily uh, out to everyone just yet, uh, or at least available yeah. to everyone just yet. Uh, but like I said, I don't know how much you're able to talk about or not yeah, or whatever. But in sure. some of the group chats, I've uh, we you know we've talked about. I've seen you talking about some pretty cool stuff that uh, that they have planned, whether it's actually implemented yet or or not. Uh, but, you know, just tell us a little bit about Mojo and then and maybe some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, sure. So it's it's like the first fully regulated sports stock market. Uh, and so right now you can trade in New Jersey so you can make an account wherever and just be present physically in New Jersey. And you can trade actual players based on their uh real life NFL production. And so it's been really fun to see people engage with that and uh, real life value being tied to uh, on field production. It's not just fantasy points. Um, There's actually, I can, we have our formula posted. You can see what goes into the mojo value that actually goes into uh, pricing a player. Uh, So it's a lot of fun. Uh, And I get to oversee the college portion of things and help through, you know, the transition from college to the NFL. So we're about to, Release some uh, Senior Bowl players uh, this week, adding some running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends who are at the Senior Bowl, and then we'll be adding a bunch of the big names like Bijan Robinson and Jordan Addison and Michael May- Mayor of uh, Notre Dame tight end there uh, here very soon, and so it's just yeah we we get to um, try to map out these players' career and then see people actually invest and buy in, or you can actually, uh, go long or short, just like you could a, a real, a stock. So you can kind of bet against a player's future on the NFL side, or you could uh, invest in their future and believe that they're going to exceed their current price. Um, and so it's been really fun to just see real market action, um, and, and see, uh, how that differs from the fantasy space.
2: Yeah. And well, I guess I'll follow that up because it's a really cool concept. And a lot of us who are playing Devi or C2C leagues, whatever the case is, we are kind of treating these players like stocks of sorts um, when we're investing in them, seeing and hopefully um, expecting some sort of rise in value for our own fantasy teams. But how has Mojo changed or helped um, you as far as your prospect evaluations go?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that Mojo does really well is every single player. You can click on whatever player that you – know, you can see their price, what they've done in the past day or whatever as the primary page. But when you go in and just click on, let's say, Brock Purdy, you can see uh, the exact dollar amount of Mojo Valley that he has accrued and, in fact, in fact uh, banked already, like that's built into his price no matter what. He's already done that. It's on the field. Like he's around already in just one year accrued about $3 worth of his stats. But then there's also a another part of the bar that you can view within the app that shows hey this is his projected future value and that is uh i can't really get into the, the nitty-gritty of all of that but it's 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 a fancy modeling way of, of projecting out the rest of his career and implied uh possible statistics and so hmm. if you believe that we are wrong in valuing uh, the rest of his career and evaluating where he's going to end up for his career bet, essentially. <laughs> uh, you can say, okay, well, I'm actually, um, I, I think he's, I don't think he's actually going to be the starter next year, so I'm going to bet against him. I'm going to, you know, here, here very soon. You know, I mean, if you just wanted to hop on there right now, you could go short on him and um, even get a little bit of a uh, multiplier help, uh, which uh, it's fun. Like, let's say his price, you know, went down 5%, but you had a three times multiplier on him uh, and you shorted him. Um, that three times multiplier by 5% is actually a 15% profit for you. Uh, and just the other way around, like if you, if you just went up 5% and you had a three X multiplier and you went long on him, bet, um, you know, with him, you can get 15%. Um, and those multipliers make it a lot of fun. Uh, cause you know, some guys who have, uh, you know, less volatile stocks, like a Tom Brady, like he's not going to have 15 more years of production unless, well i mean maybe i, I never want to say it's possible <laughs> with tom brady but he's not going to ha- never you know, say he never doesn't, he doesn't have a ton of future value necessarily and so there's most of his value of like $175 or so like 160 plus is already baked in you know so um, but to make players like that more fun uh, mojo offers greater multipliers for those those less volatile players which is it's pretty cool um you know just being able to successfully you know, map the implied risk, um, and and just make it fair and equitable for both us as the provider uh, of the service and users, um, and just uh, kind of mapping these futures.
0: That's awesome. I, I love to hear that. Now, I know uh, you guys are, are only in New Jersey as of right now, correct? Yeah, but well, we are on our way to, uh, I think, another like dozen or so states that we're in process with.
1: And I think more, more than anything, we just want to make sure we can add all the, all the rest of the sports. Um, not all the rest of the sports, but a few more sports and get those right so that we can properly scale that and, and do that well uh, wherever we, we go. We're very close to uh, the NBA product. Um, and so that's going to be in the very, very near future. And then uh, shortly after that, we're going to launch uh some baseball, for major league baseball, and we'll include a bunch of futures on even players that are in the minor leagues, which is going to be a lot of fun. I, I i know about that stuff. I love fantasy baseball too. So uh, that's going to be coming too. So it's it's not just college football. It's not just NFL. It's going to be NBA, major league baseball, some college basketball in there. So uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what that ha- what happens with it, and how that scales and grows and uh, once we're in several more states, man, it's
0: just, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Uh, now uh, you and I, uh, Travis get very nerdy with it. Uh, Aaron, not so much, but he, but he's trying, he, he, he you know, he's, he's working on it. Um, you know, I know just from talking to you in, in the group chats that like you, you are very excited about what's going on in the background at Mojo with some of the <laughs> machine learning and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to divulge too much. I don't know yeah, what you're allowed crazy. to divulge, but uh, um, you know, hey, you've always been big on, you know, certain metrics and, and and things like that that you're looking for. You've talked about on your pod, you know, camp, uh, college to Canton that, uh, you know, talking about like recruit status and, and, and things of that nature, like that you're looking at, but what, is new coming from Mojo, like whether it's a new metric you guys have created or just something that you've never really looked at um, that you're excited about applying to like future classes or learning more about at the very least. Yeah. I think it's just um really
1: that, that that idea of looking at a player through a lens that specifically and, and like a looks, it says, Hey, this is what the player has done. Yes. But this, is the exact amount of stats that we expect out of this player for the rest of the career. And, and taking that idea and, and applying it to every single player uh, changes how I prioritize who I draft. Um, you know, because like, let's say a B. John Robinson comes in uh, this year. He doesn't have any accrued value, but his future expected value is probably higher than almost every other running back in the NFL. Or maybe maybe it is already higher than every other NFL running back this year, depending on how confident you are in Bijan Robinson. So if you look through things, um, look, look at things through a lens of like, Hey, look, I know he's done this and that's great. And I, I'm confident that he can repeat some version of what he's already done, but how much do I really care uh, when it comes to that certainty versus the actual expected future value? Uh, Cause I think that's where the fantasy community gets in trouble because we love, you know, more sure things at uh, certain positions and we get caught up in the, uh, the cachet or the, the, the brand, as it were, uh, when it comes to certain players, and are overconfident in the uh, duration at which they can keep it up. Uh, now, I will say, you know, certain positions like wide receiver, the good receivers just keep repeating those results. Like, we see that time and time again. Um, but I also think, uh, conversely, we undervalue running backs because we think that there's this magical age cliff um, when, in all reality, five of the top ten rushers this year we're 27 years or older. Uh, and so uh, I think understanding how the typical running back career, well, every player career is mapped out with all the data that I have at my fingertips now um, and understanding uh, the exact probabilities uh, of, of, of expected value in each year that remains for a player's career, uh, that
0: revolutionizes how I value players. Yeah, that that's amazing. I know uh, Peter Howard has done some great work, and and he was kind of all over it this year, talking about how it was going to be a down year in fantasy, but also like the twenty seven year old running backs were going to be so important. And and like you said, I mean they yeah. they were, yeah. um, you know, and it was kind of it was big. It was people. I, I don't want to group everyone together or anything like that, but a lot of people, are, you know, are, are, have been talking about how you know running backs don't matter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, running backs. Uh, aren't as important. Go zero RB, all that kind of stuff. But it, I also wonder if it's just the time, you know, the, the time period that we're in right now, and you know, and it's 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 always fluctuating and and you know and looping back and you know, it, in two three years, it it's probably going to be the complete opposite, you know, <laughs> or, or very well could be, maybe not probably, but you know, very well could be. Um, and so I I I always try to tell the listeners like don't don't get too caught up in what worked this year you know (laughs) get you don't just you can pick up on trends you can do what's smart and all that kind of stuff but when you're talking about zero rb it's because we don't have a lot of young rbs that are you know that are viable right now but this upcoming draft class that we'll get into here in a little bit has a lot of them and you know that could change this season this 2023 season and then next year, everyone's like, you have to go three RBs, or else you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always overcorrect, don't we? So, <laughs> of course, yeah, that's, that's a problem. But <laughs>
1: It's just funny how we, we kind of look at a, 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 a narrow window history and then a conclu- come to some conclusion as a community that, oh, this is the new reality when in all. No. Well, reality <laughs> uh there was just a, a brief window at which we saw running backs careers in earlier than we had just seen them do in the previous 10 years and thought oh crap we have to completely adjust and we have to lean hard into zero rb and we have to lean hard into um you know mapping these careers as like ending at, when they're 26 uh but really what it was is 2013 sucked for the most part um with the exception of like levy and bill uh 2014 not good rest in peace bishop sankey uh, 15 was pretty good. 16 had like two options. That was Ezekiel Elliott and, uh, Derek Henry. Uh, everyone else died. Uh, and, and so it's just like, we have, so we saw this three out of four year window of like all these running backs just wasting away before they even got to the prime of, of their career. And then we saw guys like a few other exceptions like Todd Gurley, um, have, you know, just odd kind of not super common career ending type stuff to his knees and then we thought, oh, crap, that, that position is over now. We, you know, only invest in one direction. And I think we just need to kind of look at the, the greater, like, long-term picture. And how do I predict the future of where, where the next few draft classes are going to land? Like, Am I expecting this trend to continue or, or could it actually, over, you know, correct the other direction? Kind of like what you were saying, John.
2: Yeah. And I liked some of the points that you were bringing up with class specifics and, and what players were in those classes. So for example, 2017, well, of course, with that much top end talent and those talents are going to last longer theoretically yeah. into their careers versus the guys who just burn out early due to injury or just due to the fact that they were never actually that great. Um, So it does make you excited, I guess, for the, the incoming guys this year that the there's a bunch of talents out there. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are and I guess we'll we'll talk about that shortly here about this class in particular compared to even future years and yeah, maybe we want to start breaking some of that stuff down. Yeah, absolutely. Let's
0: go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you've been doing this uh, rookie mock poll. Uh, what's the actual hashtag? Because like you said, it's a pretty long one. <laughs> you know,
1: when I first started it, I was still uh, doing like the fantasy authority writing for them. And so it was like TFA rookie mock or something. I had to like look it up and I had to like find out what was I calling this thing back in 2016 or something. Uh, but, but eventually I was like, I have to standardize this just because I'm going to forget every year what I call this thing. So it's just the year <laughs> and then rookie poll mock. So like this year, it is 2023 rookie poll mock, the hashtag. So you can find all of the polls that are associated with that mock draft under that 2023 rookie poll mock. And so you can do that for 2022, 2021, 2020. I think uh, 2017, I made it weird. 2016 was weird. But after that, I think I standardized it, got smart about it. And I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do this, uh, let's uh, be able to actually
0: look it up next time. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you've been doing it for what, seven years now? Yeah, I guess this is 16,
1: 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22. 22 it's eight years. Year. Eight years. So, eight years Yeah. man, that's weird. But yeah, been doing that for a while and <laughs> um
0: been doing some written and pod content since 2015. So yeah. Not what nine. was the I mean I am guessing I know the answer, but what was the original goal of, of making these uh these polls? And also a, a secondary question there that just popped in my head. Uh, Do you feel like Twitter has gotten more, less, uh, you know, like viable for the polls the same or, 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 you know, somewhere in between? (laughs) I think it's been funny to actually see, you
1: can look at the results yourself if you get curious and just like through the different hashtags, but over the years, uh, the the collective community has gotten a lot better at predicting uh, future draft capital and doing it really early for the most part. Last year was an exception at the quarterback position because well, everyone for the most part whiffed on the number of early round quarterbacks that there would be like, we understood it was, you know, a, a quote unquote weaker class even coming in, but we thought, ah, the NFL is going to reach anyway. They, they always do. And so the implied capital that we were, you know, assuming was in play uh, last January uh, made for some odd looking quarterback selections in the mock, but for the most part, uh, every other position. Uh, yeah. i Go, go, you, all of you, every single one of you, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Figuring things out.
0: Hey, that's the good So what was the goal when, when you first started it out? Uh, you know, was it just trying to pick people's brains or was there more to it? Uh, when I first started it back in like 2016,
1: um, I was like, man, there's, there were not even back. I say back then and about way back in 2016, uh, there were just not a whole lot of resource, resources that I felt could help gather a true consensus. There's a lot of noise, a lot of people arguing, but like, why don't we just ask everyone, Hey, what do you think? Like these four players, who would you take here and find an actual true consensus when all the other, you know, for the most part, really viable options at that given rookie draft pick slot were available. And so um, that's what it's kind of gleaned pretty, pretty well over the years to just to find, Hey, that that actually is probably what the market consensus is, at least in this moment, at least in these few weeks right now.
0: Absolutely. So, has there been anything uh, you know, like more than just uh, you know, where the consensus has them? Is there, there been any other information where you, that you've been able to glean from uh, you know from doing these polls over the years? Yeah, I can speak to the depth and breadth of a class in general,
1: um, and where there might be some value um, in in terms of like perception of the class being really deep at running back that pushes down some wide receiver value. Um, that might have actually help you know me change where I try to position myself in rookie drafts. Once the the order is actually kind of set, um, I might try to position myself differently, or even move out of a class entirely, um, depending on where I am, uh, depending on where I think the, the class is going to go. It's a little bit early to you know make that decision in January because a lot of things can change. But uh, but especially the the immediate like post draft version of it, I always do one in January and then one immediately following the draft. And it's funny how really crazy accurate uh, the post-draft version is and, and both capturing consensus and even finding like just being smart about not reaching uh, just as a community, which is it's it's been really accurate in the post-draft.
2: That's interesting to hear about the accuracy of it. And that was actually one follow-up question I was going to add to John's question about things that you can glean from doing this poll on Twitter. Do you find That Twitter is just bad at, let's say, evaluating a single position. For example, like quarterbacks or you know running backs, things like that. And we can talk pre-draft since right now we're in the pre-draft period. And obviously, you you just did this poll that's pre-draft, so we can stick with that.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it used to be really bad at wide receiver uh, because uh, it was mainly a bunch of people who love to they love the highlights. And uh, for too long, they were prioritizing bigger-bodied wide receivers that didn't create separation or have decent analytical profiles. Um, and but I think collectively, the community is just kind of coming around and accepting that um, not all wide receivers are going to be <laughs> are going to look like they did, um, you know, in the Andre Johnson era. You know, so um, so really, it's been cool to see the the, the development. Uh, I guess the process clearly change. Uh, for the community uh, but so they're not as bad anymore uh, but i think uh, <laughs> they are a little bit overreactive to capital um but and, and, but with with random players they're they're a bit stubborn with it too like there's always one that's like that will get drafted um uh, really highly and the community's like mm, Nah, i'm gonna pass and it's funny most of the time I'm like, good on you guys. We didn't really you know, fold and just say that that was a good player all of a sudden because he got, had capital. Like this year it was and uh, Davis-Price, uh, you know, LSU guy going to 49ers. Obviously, he should have fallen in rookie drafts, and he did. Left and right all over despite him getting the day two capital. Um, uh, who were a couple of examples like Van Jefferson. He came in the league like 47 years old. And so the, the community actually rightly um, you know, faded him for the most part given his second round uh, capital. Uh, this year, Vellis uh, Jones was going crazy late. Uh, good on you guys. He didn't do anything until year six or whatever. Let's let's probably realize that's not going to be a hit. And so, I think the community has even gotten decent collectively at and not overreacting to reaches by NFL teams.
2: It's a good point, and honestly, I like how you laid out wide receiver and how we've come a long ways with that now quarterback we can talk about this year's poll I think the guys at the top make a lot of sense right Bryce Young going at 102 uh, CJ Stroud 103 but then you start getting these guys in the later first Anthony Richardson Will Levis and I know quarterback you know John has talked about um, some ways that we can improve our hit rates at quarterback but it seems like sometimes these votes um I don't know if I want to say get out of hand. Sometimes the hype for these guys who just they flash a big arm or some of the NFL talking heads um, on, you know, I'm not going to call guys at ESPN or, you know, whatever sources, but they're kind of touting these guys who really don't have very good profiles other than maybe a couple of key traits or whatever. So do, does quarterback still seem like that's the the least accurate that we are at a, predicting these prospects?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, And that's mainly because uh, I don't know if it was, it's not really not the fantasy community. It's like everyone that follows football in a way just has kind of resigns to the fact that like, Oh, no one really knows. Like we can be so sure about whatever. Nobody really knows with quarterbacks. So just go with the draft capital, whatever. But truthfully um, the league has gotten a lot better at uh, draft capital investment in recent years and actually uh, targeting players who are proven Uh, both uh, through the eye test that everyone has relied on for so long, but also on paper, Hey, I think they're accurate, but do the numbers actually say they're accurate? Uh, Like, like are they, like, I think that they, they can be an efficient passer, but are they actually an efficient passer? Like what, what have they actually done to build out a profile that says, Hey, this guy hits and this guy doesn't. And, um, you know, it's amazing it took them that long, but uh, over in, like the last six or seven years, the league has gotten a lot better. And hey, you know, maybe we should, you know, have some kind of analytical process when it comes to QB analysis uh, rather than like taking Christian Ponder in the first round. Um, you know, <laughs> so but yeah, I think the NFL has gotten better, <laughs> but um, the community has gotten better. But at the same time, they just fold as soon as capital happens. They're like, oh yeah, Zach Wilson QB two. Uh, not, not all people, but like, you know, it's just like (laughs) Zach Wilson was, um, I remember even like in December, uh, of like his, the, the draft before he got to the league, everyone was like, Oh yeah, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. And then obviously Zach Wilson, I'm like, bro, it's either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. And then way down the line could be five ish. Maybe is, is Zach Wilson. Um, and lo and behold, Hey, what happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's not like I have some magical skeleton key that, that has all the answers. Nobody does, but, um, there is always one, uh, in ev- every class that you can pretty much fade even when there is capital. And, and, and so I don't know, I, I think we've gotten better as an analytics community at finding and adjusting for the right things. And, uh, and based on conversations I've had with a few, uh, analytics minds, like on NFL teams, we're, we're kind of like solving for at least a proxy version of what they're looking at too. It's not the same, but it's um, it cleans up the data in a way that, that, you know, that, that I guess uh, kind of adjusts for things that NFL teams are looking for too.
0: Yeah. We're, we're looking, we're looking for obviously fantasy points, but fantasy points generally yeah. come from the better QBs. So yeah, that's, right, yeah. that's the general speaking, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, if you can solve a
1: draft I- capital solve for fantasy points a little bit, then yeah, that's that's going to be a good thing.
0: Exactly. Uh, now, do you feel, I know you get into kind of percentiles with QB uh, analysis and everything, um, mm-hmm. at least from what I've gleaned from conversations with you. Uh, is that a mojo thing? Or is that, have you always kind of, you know, broken uh, players down into percentiles like that, or at least the QBs like that? Uh, that was um,
1: uh, what I normally talk about when, when I normally talk about quarterbacks, it's like through the uh, metric that I created for is like, I guess three years ago, uh, called sc- uh, Scheme Adjusted Pass Efficiency. Uh, and that does a great job of cleaning up uh, a player's uh, efficiency profile and adjusting for things that artificially inflate a quarterback's numbers in college. And, uh, and so when you mix that with rushing numbers, uh, you can get a really accurate picture of who's going to get drafted and who's not and who might, but shouldn't.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, I was just wondering if, you know, w- with those percentiles and everything and, and kind of uh, guesstimating or projecting what uh, draft capital might be for a player, do you think that the NFL kind of overcorrected last year with the QBs? Because um, you said that they're getting better about it, but I also feel like maybe they missed a little bit with, you know, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, you know, some of these players that – you don't have to say that they're the best QBs that have ever, you know, been in you know in, in the NFL draft. But I feel like they were better than third and, and fifth round draft picks at the same time. Uh, do you feel the same way, or do you think, like I said, do you think that they kind of overcorrected?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. Even with like Brock Purdy, uh, he was obviously underdrafted. It's it's easy to say in hindsight, but at the same time, like the Debbie community was like, "Hey, this guy might be a first round talent," like three years ago, you know, <laughs> and so. Uh, we weren't surprised. Like, oh yeah, Brock Purdy. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He uh, peaked at like 94th percentile pass efficiency profile and accounted for like 20 22 percent, I think, one year of Iowa State's rushing yards, uh, which is like oh, okay, check and check. Yes, he should hit if he's given an opportunity. And he wasn't like perfect because he's not the the you know, obvious traits guy. But yeah, there are certain profiles that uh, they clearly um, I don't know if they undervalued or maybe they were just. Not sure what to do with the COVID years and stuff. Like, like how valid was 2020? I'm not, not sure how that that how those conversations went. Like when uh you know they're comparing profiles that are vastly different in size and quality, um and matchups are you know coming together like on a Wednesday and played on Saturday, like that BYU Coastal Carolina game back in like what was that 2020? Like it was just a weird you know season. And so some of these players had odd blips in their profiles that looked incredible or looked terrible uh and didn't look like the rest of their career so it was just an odd group of, of players to analyze in general but the peaks of all the passers said hey yeah uh how should have gone way earlier than he did and corral should have gone way earlier than he did um willis actually profiled like a day two get guy so like okay that's fine um but uh, yeah and, and Pickett, you know maybe he was uh, a jag for like four years and had a, you know, one percentile plus profile. Maybe we shouldn't overreact to that, but the Steelers don't care. They're like, yeah, we're going to draft him. And then Chris Luton, uh, an FCS guy. And then he not even on the roster. Like it, the Steelers clearly don't care, care about analytics and, and uh, that's eventually going to hurt them. But uh, in terms of draft capital um, and player analysis, they do not value that yet. Uh, so it's just funny to see like what teams do or don't care, but yeah, overall undervalued as a class.
0: I agree Toronto Dave's in the chat. He's saying uh how much to weigh rookie profile versus draft capital is always tough for me. Uh he's taking it case by case now. Um I I wonder, you know, would you lean more it sounds like I know the answer, but would you lean more uh your analysis or draft capital when it's all said and done for these QB prospects? I mean, draft capital is always going to be the the best indicator of future success
1: as an independent variable, but um you can also use you know, all of NFL history uh, as, as a guide. And really where like, I, I like to break it up. In, in, it makes sense to do this like with, with eras and uh, trends of, of how teams are investing in capital, how efficient they were in different era, eras in, in investing in capital and to find trends, recent ones uh, that might indicate the league is changing how they view uh, a particular uh, positions analysis. And, and w- which is what sparked my interest with quarterback because I was like, "Holy cow! They're actually... It's am I crazy? Are they actually making more numbers-based decisions?" And so, um, I think it is more of a case-by-case basis. But there's always uh, historic precedent that can lead us to uh, the right decision uh, more often than not. Uh, but sadly, you know, you're going to miss on a Josh Allen if you go with historic precedent, and if you go with, uh, you know, what actually makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, the. the so that, that hurts. But most of the time you're going to find also, you're going to find a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah,
0: but it's not like Josh Allen was Josh Allen year one, you know, you, you didn't right. miss out on much in, in year one, you know, you might be able to pick up some, on, on some things, you know, I think that's always the, th- you know, the thing that I try to harp on with like, with my ranks and, and my model is I'm not saying if I put a guy at wide receiver eight, that he can't be good you know, it's that I don't think he's going to be good right now, you know, or like, I don't think he's going to be amazing right now. Uh, and it's going to take some time. And the same thing with the QBs and all that. It doesn't mean that they can't be. Now, Josh Allen's just an outlier, in my opinion, and we should never try to comp anyone to him. But, you know, there's definitely other players, you know, that maybe you've missed on uh via, you know, looking at analytics or whatever. But a lot of times it's because they took time and that's not necessarily missing. In my opinion, that's just more I mean, everyone missed, you know, if if that's the case or if they were all in on them, they were wrong because, you know, they were all in on them and then they didn't do anything for two years and and vice versa. And it's not a I'm not trying to say like, oh, you got to be right all the time or anything. But I just think that there's there's definitely there's uh, profiles that are going to hit much more often than others. And that's what we should probably be leaning towards more than just, hey, I, uh, you know, I this guy got first round draft capital. So I'm going to go ahead and draft him at one Oh five, but speaking of one Oh five, why don't we go ahead and dive into this year's poll and, uh, and see what uh, you know, see what happened because like you said, it's getting a lot better each year. The consensus is getting smarter and let's see how this first round uh, went ahead and hit Aaron. Do you have the poll in front of you? you want to cover the first round and then we can kind of dive in and do a little bit of analysis.
2: Sure, I'd be happy to cover at least the first six tiers as they're broken down there. Um, B. John Robinson, Tier 1, RB1, ma- makes sense, right? Then Tier 2, it was Bryce Young, 102, and Tier 3, at 103, C.J. Stroud. So a couple of quarterbacks after B. John. Then we started to get into some of those skill position positions. Um, Guys, so 104, Jameer Gibbs, 105, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Then a little bit of a tier break for Quentin Johnston, wide receiver at 106, and another wide receiver at 107, Jordan Addison. And then we also get to this tier six where there was 108, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, and then 109, Will Levis, quarterback. So what sticks out um, to you guys based on those first nine selections?
0: Honestly, I feel like, like Travis was right. I mean, it started out pretty hot. <laughs> like, it started out pretty accurate. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm a, a known uh, Quentin Johnston. Uh, I don't want to say hater cause I'm not, but like a disapprover. I don't know. Is that a word? Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 but at the same time, I don't think it's egregious, egregious to uh, you know, have him at one Oh six. I would definitely not have him there, but, I don't think it gets kind of wild until the tier six. So it seems pretty good. I'm pretty happy with the results and and everything. Um, Travis, what do you feel about that? And then also, why don't you go into a little bit of detail about how you made the tiers? I'm sure it's a pretty simple process based on what Mm -hmm. I'm looking at. But uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you get into that as well?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, and altogether, like with this, uh, the poll, there were like 12,000 plus votes on this thing. So there's a bunch of solid samples going into each. Uh, pick So like at every pick, I have four different options because Twitter limits me to four. And uh, so like, uh, obviously, B. John ran away with it, took like almost 75% of the vote uh, for the first pick. Um, but a tier break is essentially, it's, it's simple. It's 20% or more victory margin. So if you have 75% of the vote, uh, you're obviously gonna, no one's gonna get within 20% of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I saw a few other, Players like it's uh we saw like three, like one, two, three be in their own separate tier. Like it seems like there's definitive consensus. That's not the case every year. Uh we often do see like one player kind of in their own tier, or maybe two players out in that that top tier um year every year. But uh this year there seems to be a pretty clear consensus among the fantasy community that it's one Bijan, two, Bryce, three, CJ Stroud. And then from there, I mean it's it's again, oh maybe overly confident. <laughs> Uh, putting Jameer Gibbs and Jackson Smith and Jigba in their own tier, I felt it was a bit strong. uh, But I mean, like once it got down to the 1.05 poll for Jackson Smith and Jigba, he took down two thirds of the poll by himself. And that was with uh, Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison also being up for vote. I was kind of surprised that there was that much confidence and that uh, no one even had, uh, you know, was within 50% of the vote uh, with him. So that was, that was interesting, uh, but yeah, Quentin Johnston. I mean, like I think the community is pretty, pretty firm on there being three uh, clear wide receivers that they trust more than others uh, overall. And so Jackson Smith and Jake Buck, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, whatever you order you want to put them in, uh, I I could have felt like the consensus is around there. But I wasn't surprised. Like you mentioned that you don't. I mean, you don't like uh, Anthony Richardson necessarily, or Will Evans. I think especially Will Evans um, mm-hmm. uh, as as like safe fantasy projections. Uh, But yeah, I think like once you get beyond this for like a QB three or QB four and super flex drafts, most years, somebody's going to start reaching in this range. So um, regardless of the quality of player, so don't like, okay, yeah, this is even though it's earlier than I might take them. Yeah. This feels about right for QB three or four in in most years.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I guess I always in my head want these polls and everything to be perfect, but you're average rookie draft isn't going to be perfect and so this is probably more of what you should expect and what you can expect which is probably what your you know your your main goal was to find what you can and, and should expect and and so that's why it's it's important to look at this stuff especially and we know things will change because there's still the combine there's still the draft there's still senior bowl and shrine bowl and everything else like we know things will change, but it's it's great to figure this stuff out because I don't know about you, but I have a couple of uh, startups coming up here soon and we have rookies in the draft and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I love that, uh, you know, we, we can figure this stuff out now because you, you might love a player. Like I love me some Josh Downs, but I've kind of learned from this poll. We can get into where he went, but He's going a lot later than probably where I would pick him. So I don't have to pick him at like a 107 or something like that. Um, and, and and that's great. And and not to deviate too much, but uh, Toronto Dave's also in the chat again with uh, what's your guys' take on Stroud's rushing profile, small but present. We obviously saw what he uh, what he did with the, uh, the Georgia game uh, where he finally ran. I mean, it was like he, he never did, whether they – told him not to or whatever. And then they finally told him in this game, like, Hey, you do whatever it takes to win. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people have even said gone as far as saying like, that's the game when they figured out that CJ Stroud is, is their favorite QB in this class and, and, and things like that. Um, do you believe, I mean, I guess you have to believe that he has some kind of rushing profile. I mean, he, he kind of proved it in that game, <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's like actually his game or not, but he definitely has the athleticism to do it. Uh, do you feel like it could be something he could utilize in the NFL? Or do you think it was more just like, like, like I said, a necessity of that game, a necessity of college football, that kind of thing.
1: I think he's going to have to at the next level. And uh, it, and uh it is, it is funny because he, he's just odd about it. Like, there's no reason sometimes he does not run. Uh He prefers to pass and he doesn't want to take extra hits. And maybe it was just st- smart enough to realize that, Hey, I'm an, I'm Ohio state's, you know, starting quarterback and I'm, really freaking good. If I just stay healthy, I'm going to make millions of dollars. Uh, maybe I shouldn't go put my neck on the line uh, just yet. Maybe I'll actually save that and do that in the next, the, the next level. Uh, and and also Ryan Day has been vocal about, hey, we don't actually like to put our quarterbacks in, in harm's way and really overrush them. Uh, that was really the case of Fields, although Fields did run more uh, than, than Stroud. They don't – he didn't run like, hey, yeah, Fields is obviously going to rush for 1,100 yards as – a once he gets to the bears like you know like there wasn't that kind of rushing profile with him um so yeah we could see a major uptick for stroud and i think people some people forget maybe that his first college touch was a 48 yard rushing touchdown like his only touch i think that season was a 48 yard rushing touchdown <laughs> uh, so um yeah he can definitely do it um I, I get concerned when players are actually at a negative rushing total for any season uh, or, like, more than one season, or for their career, um, like, in their peak passing season, typically. Um, like, it's it's a big red flag if they can't get at least above zero. Um, so, yeah, Stroud had one year where I was below that, but this year it was cl- clearly not. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like, we look at historic uh, numbers uh, in terms of how teams have moved to more mobile draft capital investment at the quarterback position. Like, there's been, I'm pretty sure, one, I think that's still the case. One first-round quarterback that actually had negative rushing yards in their peak passing season. Uh, can you guess who that that player is? First-round? First-round quarterback since, like, mm, 2016, I think is the, the, the mark. Ooh, or 2017. 2017 on. Only one first-round quarterback that's had negative rushing yards in their peak passing season. Oh man, I'm so
0: bad at this. I'm just completely blanking right now. (laughs) He was a complete bust, if that helps. Oh, Josh Rosen? Josh Rosen.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. yes. So, yeah, Josh Rosen is the only first round quarterback to have like negative rushing yards. And of course, I'm not sure all listeners are privy to this detail, but like college stats actually mark the stack yardage against quarterbacks' rushing totals. So that's how you get negative rushing yards. And so it can really point out when a quarterback is a huge liability uh, in, in avoiding sacks, uh, you know, like this year's Tanner McKee. So um, don't draft him yeah. no matter what. Like you can just take him <laughs> off your board, seventh round rookie draft, don't even touch him. I don't care what his capital is, he's bad.
0: Um, I keep I seeing them in, in like the third and fourth rounds of, of these rookie mocks and stuff yeah. for people. And I'm like, what yeah. are we doing here, people? Yeah. But I, I honestly thought you were, you were asking a trick question. I was thinking of good QBs yeah. that might've had uh, negative yardage. So I'm like sitting there thinking of all these and he said, Oh, he's a bust. I'm like, Oh, it's Josh Rosen. It's he's obviously the Josh. Yeah. Thing. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah we're, we're thinking like Dwayne Haskins with the Ohio. State. Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly, he was,
1: like a, barely, a, he was like right at like 0.51% or something silly. Oh, like uh, he was like right above gosh. the minimum threshold. He and Mac Jones, man, is like, eh, you're almost immobile enough that you're terrible, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so and there it's is hilarious. a lot of signal there uh, to be gleaned uh, in predicting future outcomes. Like, if you can just rush, you're probably going to give get more opportunities to pass even, too, also, like, uh, now because teams want that threat. They want at least – you don't have to be a Omar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, but you have to at least – like, when you hold the ball in the running back's hand, like the pocket, you know, like, if the linebacker, like, laughs, you know, like, <laughs>, they like laughs at you because, like, you're not keeping this, what are you, what are you doing? Like, that's a problem. Um, and so, yeah. So like like, Daniel
0: like, Jones probably wouldn't have a job right now if he didn't have the rushing. I honestly, I honestly yeah. believe that to be true. Seriously. And, and it's funny. Like, the, the players that hit
1: with trash passing analytical profiles are guys like that. Um, like, yep. they're all guys that had at least one season of 15% or more of their team's rushing yards. Like Daniel Jones actually had bonkers numbers uh, in terms of like a percentile of, of Duke's rushing yards as a quarterback there. Josh Allen had like over 20% at, at his peak, I think, uh, of Wyoming's rushing yards. And so it was clear like, hey, these guys have really wild playmaking ability with their legs. If they can figure it out as a, as a passer too, man, like that's fun. And that's really fun with Josh. And it was kind of fun for a second. But this year, like with Daniel Jones, it's like he might not be – terrible
2: um (laughs) this year so i don't know It, it can make up for a lot mostly against my minnesota vikings yeah, yeah. So yeah, sorry about that. But no, no, you're good. But but Travis, you have fueled um, these people who are are just truthers for Anthony Richardson and Will Levis for maybe seasons to come. As far as the hope with you know some mobility, they have a shot, right? They have a shot to sustain value. I I mean, yeah. I guess we'll see what the draft season. Yeah, Will Levis doesn't
1: though. Let's be real. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Anthony Richardson is as an alien. So, I mean, uh, anything could happen with him. I have no idea.
0: Yeah. But at the same time in this class, um, I, I think that all three of us are uh, believe that Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are, are both being drafted too high in this mock, um, you know, or at least I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I, I, I believe that. Uh, I'm pretty sure Aaron believes that as well. Uh, I, I, it, it do you where would you feel comfortable in this draft? Because I also think that people are like, oh, well, you know, they, they have to be in the first round because they're, they're QBs and they're going to be drafted in the first round, they're going to get first round draft capital, all that kind of stuff. But I don't, you know, wh- whereas maybe you could have made that argument last year. When we start looking, you know, when we get into tier seven and beyond in this poll, you know, I think we might still see some names that I would much rather have even over a first round draft capital QB. Yeah. And that's what's tough. Like, Like you're betting
1: against history when you're betting against the first round quarterback. But you're also part of history is the analytical profile of the player as a passer and a rusher. And Richardson has a, you know, he's crazy, crazy upside as a runner. Yes, there's no debate. But it will be funny when he 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 does get the first round capital because he will. I I, I'm not sure there's actually ever been a worse passer in the history of the NFL draft uh, to go first round that's had a worse profile than Anthony Richardson. Uh, I can't find one. Um, It's so bad. It's it's really just it's a dumpster fire. Like if you squint it's still on fire, you know, like it's still obviously <laughs> on fire. You actually can feel the heat on your face. It's so like, just awful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like he has, he makes some awesome throws. And then the next throw he'll throw it in the dirt. And uh, you know, and so NFL coaches coaching staff's like, well, I can just fix his footwork and you know, where his hips are facing and that's going to solve it. And cool. Good
0: luck. You better have Brian Dable. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. I'm I'm if I live in Florida, I'm a Florida Gator fan, uh, been all my life, and I I went into this year knowing that they were going to be terrible because Anthony Richardson was their QB, and no one believed me, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just like guys, I I kind of do this, uh, you know, with all of my spare time, and I'm I, I I cannot guarantee you that he will be terrible, but I'm promising you he will be terrible. Yeah.
1: The upside was immense. I, preseason, I, sure. I, I think I was quoted uh, on, in print and in audio as saying, look, if any quarterback is going to pass them it's, uh, in terms of like draft capital, it should be Anthony Richardson because he's an alien. But uh, no one else should be in the conversation. But he just didn't do it. Like He didn't actually prove that he could be an efficient passer.
0: Exactly, you got to take that step forward to be a first-round pick. I'm not saying that you know. Obviously, we can get into you know, for, like I said, tier seven and beyond here. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't draft them at any point. Like there's a point yeah. where upside becomes more important than than uh, college production or, or whatever. It's just not at 108, 109 for me in this draft class because there's so many good running backs in this class and you know, like we were talking about before, like the, this could change, this could be the new 2017 that changes the whole, you know, scenario in, uh, in fantasy drafts and, you know, in in fantasy rankings, all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you. I, I made an emphasis to focus on uh, on like my startup rankings, or at least my combined rankings for dynasty this year. And so I, whereas I used to have like ABCD and, you know, all these grades, and I would just have like, these are the A running backs. These are the A wide receivers, so on and so forth. I I changed to now I have tier one, tier two, tier three, whatever. I don't have a tier one and tier two running back right now. I would have if Brees Hall had stayed healthy, but he got hurt. And so I don't have a tier one. I have a tier three is the beginning of my running back, you know, uh, uh, grades. And so I think that just shows you that, how the class is right now or, you know, how, how, how the, uh, the, the position is right now, we could easily, that could easily change once we get these 20 and 21 year old players come in and they're all studs or a lot of them are studs at the very least. And all of a sudden we have a couple tier one, maybe, you know, like five tier two, all that kind of stuff. And next thing, you know, like I said before, everyone's going to be like, Oh, we got to draft these running backs, <laughs> screw these wide receivers. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's fun. Like we've got a bunch
1: of good running backs who are also very young. Uh so well, I, I love me some 21-year-old uh rookie running back running backs that get capital. Uh those guys hit quite a bit. Uh like even, even guys that might not go super early, like Israel Vanakanda. He had, he didn't even I don't even remember where he went in this draft, but uh it, or at all. But, but like he's gonna be 20 most of his rookie year. So uh there's there's some young, intriguing, intriguing guys like uh Gibbs is still 20. Like he doesn't turn 21 till uh till March. Like Bijan's gonna be uh twenty one um uh, for his entire rookie season. So it's it's a really young class, very
0: talented class, uh, that should have some decent uh decent runway here. I agree. Aaron, uh you you didn't talk too much about this tier one through six. Do you have anybody that truly stands out? Uh you know, do you have any any qualms with it?
2: No, no, and I, I know you commented on the Quentin Johnston um selection, but I'm also counter it. Who there is like strongly, strongly ahead of him. Like you can make suggestions for other guys that could slot in there. Similarly, but it's tough at that point. I mean, Jordan Addison. I don't really have those guys significantly apart. Just personally, um, factoring factoring in some of the context into why Quentin Johnston's production, for example, wasn't as elite as we would expect for you know a top 2 or 3 wide receiver in the class. So I I would say that I was fine honestly with how things were playing out up until the quarterbacks and we spent enough time on them. So the rest of the class is interesting and as you guys said there's there's a lot of talent in this class but I really am not so sure that we should be putting it in the same conversation as 2017 and not that we guaranteed or anything that this is the same type of of talent especially at the running back position but I think that some of these profiles have faded a little bit compared to when we when we were talking about this let's say one year ago two years ago in Debbie Tank Bigsby never really took that step forward from his true freshman season you could save all the context around why he didn't do so but he still hasn't really lived up to you know a superstar type running back um Unfortunately, Zach Evans, for maybe it's just health, maybe he's just trying to preserve himself for the NFL, I, I believe is a very efficient running back. Is he going to be a true star in the NFL? I don't know. Is, is he going to get drafted like that even? I'm not sure. And I, I love the depth of the class. You, you mentioned Izzy Abanaconda. He went at 209 in your poll. And I think that's a very good spot to put him. But again, some of these running backs, Devin Nuchain, they could be good at the NFL level. Are they going to be elite, these guys who keep producing RB1-type seasons for our uh, fantasy squads when they're 27, when they're 28 years old? I don't know if I'm going that far or expecting that.
0: I don't know if you asked Travis about Devin chain. I think he might tell you differently. I know. I know he loves him some chain there. Uh, but why don't we go ahead and get into the the tier seven here? It's it's a pretty big tier. Uh, finally, one of the biggest tiers that we've had or actually the biggest tier that we've had so far. Hmm. Uh, 110 Kayshawn Boutte, 111 Zach Evans, 112 Sean Tucker, 201 Zach Charbonnet, 202 Michael Mayer, 203 Josh Downs and 204 Tank Bigsby and then you know, getting into what Aaron was talking about with Bigsby, you know, I feel like if you're drafting a player just because his name is Tank, you deserve, you know, you deserve everything that you get. So I'm just kidding. Uh, But Travis, how did you feel about this tier? Did it kind of go with, uh, you know, how you felt about it or or did it, did anybody shock you here?
1: Yeah, I kind of felt like, Hey, you know, depending draft order, this tier could, be just molded and shaped in any direction. Like any of these names could lead this group or, or bring up the rear in this group, depending on how the draft goes. And so I think that made sense to me, Like right? Keishon Bouté had a crazy, awesome uh, hyped ceiling. And we, we loved him as a prospect in Debbie in leagues for quite some time. Um, and that's not really past tense. We still kind of do uh, maybe some questions. Cause he's coming off of not one, but two uh, ankle surgeries um, last off season. And he didn't really look like the same Keishon Boutte that we had come to love and adore and project as a first round pick, uh, but he could still get back to that. That so I think that there's there's a lot of upside there, and so it made sense that he would kind of lead this group. Um, you know, I was maybe surprised that there weren't uh, you know more wide receivers that kind of crept up in this conversation. I thought that people had kind of come around on like Jalen High, like, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and Zay Flowers a bit more, uh, but it was clear that. Keishon Boute and Josh Downs were the only ones that had any hope of going in this range, given how the results were going uh, throughout the polls. And so, really fun to see. And and if people are curious, I'm like, how did you, you know, th- this tier seven players? How are they all close? Um, well, I actually kind of would have uh, an ongoing poll of of four options, and then I would actually have a you know like while while we're waiting type poll, like who who should be next type poll to figure out and populate who would be involved next. And so you could kind of see tier breaks coming. Uh, You could see like, oh, there's like like three players that are all really close that could all be considered um, to be added. And then when they're added, it's all still very close with everyone in that conversation. So it just was funny to see all seven of these players, Kayshawn Boutte, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Zach Charbonnet, Michael Mayer, Josh Downs, Tank Bigsby. I'm, I'm sure you could find someone that likes one of these guys over the other in every single case.
0: Yeah, actually, I, I really don't disagree with the the tier. I, I think it's it's pretty good. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if that. I mean, I, I guess it kind of seems silly that obviously it is a tier break in this poll, but you know, it kind of makes me think if this is the like the el- not elite, but like the very good tier break. Thank you, dear. My wife just brought me a drink. Um, so <laughs> I uh, I wonder if it's kind of that like very good tear break, and then after that, you know, maybe it starts kind of falling off. And, and you know, like I said, I'm not very big into Tank Bigsby, but maybe I'd, I'd swap a couple players here, like a Kendra Miller or somebody like that. But you know, kind of like that, and and then we have Andrew Coop, uh, Cooper. Coop, as I know him, uh, says tied ends with the same first letter, first name, and last name. Don't miss. So we know Michael Mayer is going to hit at this point. Uh, we, and should have, is, we should have known. Kyle here. Pitts was a lie then. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it it all makes sense now. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um, Our heavy analysis. It, it's very, very much so. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't really hate on on the tier. You know, like I said, I'm not the biggest tank fan. I don't love. I, I I'm actually. I'm actually a little bit lower on Mayer than than most. I, I'm a little more, I'm a little higher on Kincaid. I don't know how you feel about that, Travis. Uh, but you know, other than that, like I think this is pretty, uh, like pretty much how it's going to go. I, I would say, or at least close to how it's going to go in your rookie drafts, and that's what's making me want all these early seconds that you know people might not be valuing quite the same, and yet you can still get a Josh Downs at two hundred three. Like that's insane to me. I love some Josh Downs.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely too is what I really enjoy uh Downs quite a bit. And metric like metrics profile wise, like he's really, really fantastic. Uh yes, he's just quote unquote just a slot probably at the next level. Um I think he can play against uh you know maybe not a super long outside corner too. Uh but you know, he had a super high slot percentage, but very good. But Michael Mayer though, man, like when you put you know all his metrics side by side and compare them to the entire class, which is you know what I what I've done a lot this off season and prep for draft season at Mojo, I'm like, dang, dude, I love conditional formatting, uh, formatting, right? And so like, my mayor's just like all green, all green, all the way across. I was like there's not one thing that he's not like one of the best at in terms of like his metric type profile. Like, if you want to talk about like, oh, like when did he, you know, break out? When did he have at least 15% of his receiving offense? Oh, his true freshman season. Okay, when did he, you know, like was he like really efficient with his volume? Yeah, he was. He had like 2.39 yards per team pass attempt, which is, by the way, almost a full half yard better than any other tight end in this class uh, in any of their years that they were a receiver. And that's a super st- stupid sticky metric by the way, uh, yards per team pass attempt. His yards per rat run, incredible. And then like he took up about 37% of Notre Dame's offense in his peak year. And uh, by the way, that would be good for a receiver. Like that's like the threshold yeah. we use for receivers is 30% that we want to see. And he was at 37. Like a, a good breakout year for tight end production in college is 15%. And he more than doubled that. Like, uh, and he did it twice. And so it's just, I, 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 or like really three years, like we're just incredible. So, um, man, I, yes, he's going to run 4 7, but okay. It, it, so he's Zach Ertz. That's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he's so well-rounded. And, and I agree with a lot of what you said. And, and is there anything particular, John, that concerns you with Michael Mayer? Um, and I know that, yes, he wasn't in this offense that was just super prolific. He, he wasn't going to be this Brock Bowers um, type of producer at the tight end position. And, you know, that's just part of the situation he was in.
0: I didn't mean to make it out to where I don't like him. Yeah. Um, it's it's more that I really do like Dalton Kincaid. And I'm not even saying I have him over him, over Mayer. Uh, but if Mayer's going to go at 202, I'd much rather take a Kendra Miller. You know, Aaron knows how much I love Kendra. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather take a Zay Flowers, you know, somebody like that, than take Michael Mayer. And I can still get Dalton Kincaid a little bit later. So, I, I yeah, I definitely do not hate so Michael Mayer uh, by any means, but I don't love two o two. I just I really don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to pull the trigger on the first tight end in most classes, right?
1: Like it, it feels weird because like you you typically like at least two or three other options. Like there's always like, but I really like Mark Andrews. Like can I can I wait on him? And you know sometimes it works out. Not often like the Mark Andrews worked out, but um yeah, this class looks fun at least through like tight end five. So I mean I, I like like darnell washington again speaking of like aliens man that, that guy is something else he could play like you know what every offensive line every defensive line and tight end position uh and then and then Kincaid is i mean he's fun he's got a fun story too like going to uc san diego uh you know having like no offers like a zero star recruit like he only played one year of high school football uh and then now he you know is is up there in, in every number that you want to talk about in terms of tight end production um Utah it's just he's really fun story and he might not be capped out because he only started playing football in what 2017 so yeah
0: I like him too all right so we already talked about a couple of the players from the tier eight here but we have uh 205 Devin Chain 206 Kendra Miller 207 Zay Flowers and 208 Jalen Hyatt uh once again you know I'm 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 hearing what you're saying here, Travis. Like it seems pretty on point. I'm I'm not hating on it at all. Uh, at least to this point, we have uh, some very good players. I already expressed my love for uh, Kendra Miller and Zay Flowers. Uh, but why don't you tell us about your boy, Devin Achain, there? Because I'm pretty sure you're a little higher on him than two oh five. Yeah, Devin Achain is 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 funny
1: because like, you know, I every conversation will begin and end with his, his weight because you know his list weights like 185 at texas a&m so people are like oh he's a, he's you know he probably plays at 180 or whatever yeah but he's like a you know a really incredible sprinter like he has a sub 10.2 second 100 meter on his on his resume um and now that his kind of track career is wrapping up um he can actually add some weight now that he's not gonna you know he's not trying to get back to to, to track weight and compete like at a near olympic levels um and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ran like a, you know, a 4.25 ish, like right on the line of the record, uh, when it comes to the combine. Cause like half of it is just about getting the right start. And he's literally like a near Olympic sprinter. So he's got that rep, uh, that, that practice, the practices and, and and reps to do really well at the combine. Uh, but he also, that, that tra- tra- really translates on the field too. Uh, so he's got just world renowned <laughs> at this point, uh, like elite well speed, like the elite for the, the NFL. Like he's probably faster. I know it seems blasphemous to admit that anyone would be faster, but he's probably at, from a measured speed perspective faster than Tyreek Hill. Um And so it's really fun. Yes, he's going to be a little bit small, but he's got great contact balance for being that small and can be a receiving back. And so I, I just really like A-Chain and pretty much everything in his game. If he was 15 pounds heavier, he would be just, oh, yeah, so he's Chris McCaffrey. Oh, uh, okay, cool. I think that would be the the consensus.
0: There we go. Some wisdom from Toronto, Dave. <laughs> uh, he also says he didn't know that he was that fast. Yes, he. That I mean that is definitely like the biggest part of his game. It, his elite uh, Olympic level speed uh, is is very uh, obvious. And you know, like like Travis said, it it's really just the size. And whereas you know when people talk about oh you know Josh Downs is too small oh you know like oh this player is too small Xavier Worthy is too small. You know, I I don't care about wide receivers. Like, I think if no one else has done it, I think Devonte Smith has kind of proven that. Like, wide receiver BMI and all that kind of stuff just doesn't matter. Like, a, a wide receiver can just be really good, and you know, we, we see that with the running back. Man, it's so tough. I do love me some Devin Chain, but it's so tough to get beyond that because I feel like even if we decide we don't care about running back BMI, running back weight size, whatever. The NFL is not there yet. You know, they're still going to be. They're going to still put him in a role where, yeah, he could score you some points. It might not be consistent though, or you know, it, or it might just be you know, kind of hit or miss or whatever. Um, and so, it's hard for me to have him too much higher than this, but I really don't mind him here at the two hundred five. Uh, you know, do you? Where you you obviously love the player, like where would you feel comfortable drafting him in this this great class as much as you love him?
1: I think he belongs in the, in the tier above this, uh, for sure. If he actually does get the capital that I think he could, which is actually round two, because um, I mean, like we just saw James Cook. I mean, his last name's Cook, and he's related to Dalvin, so that helps. But he's literally better at everything. Like, there's not a single thing that he's worse than James Cook at. And uh, Cook actually came in uh, what 199 at the combine with water weight, uh, but he's clearly not actually that big, and so. um, you know, If a chain profiles almost uh, similar to that range, I mean he's a little bit shorter. Um, but he wouldn't have to even get up to 195, I think, to have the same BMI as James Cook. Uh so and and we just saw Cook be really efficient in some small sample touches this year. Um, uh, but we'll see. Because I mean, like Austin Eckler at like his western Colorado, actually, it wasn't even Western Colorado's uh pro day. He had to go to somebody else's pro day. But and his, his pro day, I believe he was 185. Um, but then he added, you know, 15 plus pounds, and he's a little bit bigger because he's been in a pro weight room for a little while. And so, yeah, I think H. N. could get into that range of like the 201 to 203. And I mean, McCaffrey's not huge either; like he's around that range. Um, so, at least he was as a prospect. So, I think the league's just admitting, hey, look, if we just get him in space, like get him in space, and he, if he can glance off contact, uh, he could be one of the most efficient players and
0: playmakers in the league. Yeah, Aaron and I were both uh, pretty high on him going into or actually like most of last year. And then we kind of fell off this offseason where we maybe expected him to take like a, a five pound jump or something like that, and it just didn't happen. You know, and I really think that's that's all there's a lot of players that I can sit here and nitpick to hell. He doesn't do this metric. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't hit this. He doesn't hit that. It's really just the size for, for a chain. So, you yeah. know, like I, I love the player, but it, it really just is uh, with him. And I, but, you know, like I'm also the, the one fighting the good fight, like I said, with a Josh Downs or an Xavier Worthy, like where, you know, we're a different position. But, man, I'm just over people hating on players for the size. So maybe I need to, you know, take my own pill here and take my own medicine and just go ahead and say, no, Devin Chain, Sud running back, I don't care.
2: <laughs> yes. And I mean, I tend to agree with the the undersized thing. If you're undersized, you need to be an elite type of receiving back. I don't know. Maybe a chain can get there, though, honestly. Mm-hmm. He, he has shown that he's functional there. But as John said, as far as wide receivers go, yes. I think the the small wide receivers are just becoming more and more viable for these NFL teams. They don't care that Devonta Smith is skinny. They don't care that Wandell Robinson is super short. Uh, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers. So Zay Flowers is another guy in this tier. He went at 207. Very viable uh, wide receivers. And the reason that Rondale didn't work out, well, maybe there's a couple reasons, right? Because he had some injuries, of course, that affected his college career. But um, if we're looking at some of these guys and how they're deployed on the football field, I mean, they're being utilized as deep threats. These guys aren't just little pop pass slot guys, um, how they're being utilized, at least in college. In, in the NFL, yeah, maybe they'll be slot weapons, but be able to be utilized all over the field. So I've actually had Zay Flowers rising a little bit to my rankings, where he's, he's getting pretty close to Josh Downs. It's just that Josh Downs did everything that Zay Flowers has, but at a younger age, <laughs> Um you know, Z- uh, Josh Downs was just better, younger, and he is still younger, and he's a little bit banged up this year. If anybody's concerned about Josh Downs's production this season, but uh, both very interesting guys at a smaller size.
1: Agree that just
0: like Zay. that just made me. Think- oh, go, go ahead, Trevor. I'm sorry. No, you go. Man, I was just saying I like Zay. <laughs> <Good for it. laughs> I I you know I I told you we we're gonna go off on tangents. That's so, you know, just kind of what we do here. Um, but with talking about. You know all, all the different metrics and everything that you look at and, and all that. Uh, I I tend to lean on not to say that I I'm a big proponent of never look at one metric. Like one metric's never going to give you the full story on a player or anything like that. So I'm not saying this is the end all be all by any means. But I really try to get simple with one of my favorite metrics that I look at for wide receivers. And the reason why this popped in my head was because of Rondell Moore, Aaron talking about Rondell Moore. Um, is yards per reception. And like we get into all this crazy stuff with yards per team pass attempt, yards per route run, and like all this other kind of stuff. But yards for reception seems to tell us so much of a story. And with, I'm not saying, once again, it's the end all be all or that, you know, just because a guy has a, a, yo, a low yards per reception, that like that's the, you know, that you he can't possibly be good. But man, Rondell had like a 12.4 yards for reception for his, something around there. I might be wrong. Um, but, it just always stuck out to me that people were talking about how explosive this guy is, how amazing this guy is as a receiver, and yet he he just didn't show it. I get that Purdue isn't the best offense out there and all that kind of stuff, but yet you had David Bell, who's not considered an explosive wide receiver, putting up a higher yards per reception. And so when I see that kind of stuff, it just makes me think like, OK, this guy's not quite the receiver that other people are, are saying that he is. And I don't get into film analysis. I don't get any. So like I'm not sitting there watching the guy. I'm just going off of the numbers and I'm seeing somebody like that. And that's only one one example. But, uh, you know, but do you get into those simple kind of stats and analysis as well? Or do you really try to stick with the 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 main mainstream ones, if you will?
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I don't really pay attention too much to yards per reception, but mainly because like that kind of thing will actually show up in a lot of the other uh, efficiency metrics too. Like he didn't have a crazy uh, high peak to his um, yards per team pass mark because th- you know that speaks to the efficiency. If you have a really low yards per reception, it would take quite a lot of volume to have a, a ton of yards per team passing You know, so it's like it is volume, but it also is efficiency. So that's why that metric is is. One of the stickiest, just practically and anecdotally speaking, but yeah, his his average depth of target, um, even as a true freshman, wasn't even like six yards downfield. So it was going to be tough for him to have a very, uh, you know, very explosive looking profile. But his like yak per reception was actually really really wild. It was like eight yards uh, of like yak per reception, which is typically like ninety fifth percentile or above, which um, isn't super sticky in predicting fantasy points specifically but it is in predicting uh capital um there's a lot of correlation there um you know like uh, some other top guys like we've already mentioned tonight Devonte smith was really high every single year for the most part at yak per reception a lot of deeper deeper ADOT guys won't have a bunch of high yak per reception which is why it doesn't necessarily work um, like super strong linearly but there is a uh, signal when you do some other nerdier things so <laughs> but yeah uh, That's probably a longer answer than you're looking for. But yeah, anyway. No, I, I, it was perfect, man. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Well, I can take us through the rest of the guys. I mean, I guess we didn't really get a chance to talk about Kendry Miller, Jalen Hyatt. I, I absolutely think that they belong um, in this range or maybe even earlier. You, you could make an argument for either one. For John and I, probably Kendra Miller, even more so than Jalen Hyatt. Any last words there? Should I get going with the, the final four selections of the second round?
1: it's just fun. I mean, because he's like crazy, crazy efficient. I mean, he, he basically does one thing really well. And so if a team uses that really well at the next level, he's probably going to be really fun and splashy. Like he's going to be – he could be like what we wanted Will Fuller to be. If a team just like goes, hey, you're absurd when it comes to two-way goes out of the slot, we should probably just do that. Because <laughs> uh, that's that's what he did at Tennessee. And so if he can burn some people with the speed, uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a 99% efficiency kind of guy. Uh, like he was at times, uh, or against Alabama. Uh, but yeah, he definitely should get some early capital. He should be in the first round mix. Yeah. It's consideration.
2: Certainly, absolutely. He's certainly an interesting player with just how explosive he is though, though he's limited. So we'll see if he can kind of take that next step and, and really develop his game. Um, yeah, so as far as these last guys go, 209, Izzy Abanaconda, running back, um, 210, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver, 211, Marvin Mims, wide receiver, and then rounding out the second round was 212, Hendon Hooker, quarterback, who unfortunately has now torn his ACL, so he he's not really going to be participating in a whole lot of things this spring going into the summer. Unfortunately, that's why he's falling. So if, if we had kind of hopes that he would be um, up where Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, I mean, those have quickly disappeared since that injury, uh, very unfortunately for him. But any thoughts on this last bit of guys here?
1: Yeah, I can mention before, Ben is going to be 20 for most of his um, rookie season. So he did really well in a few big games. Um, I think he's going to test pretty well at the combine. And so I think he could rise higher than this if somebody does. Uh, so I, I do like him. Uh, analytically, he's going to be you know, a, a check mark for the most part. Uh, Rice is is, is kind of funny because he's like, I don't think he's gonna be super elite in one attribute, and I'm not sure he, even he's gonna like, you know, gain a bunch of steam this week uh, at the combine or uh, at the Senior Bowl because uh, he's basically like if you put him into most like production metrics and like weight and uh, some other filters to give you comps, like he, he's gonna return guys like Brandon LaFell and uh, Zay Jones. Like long-term contributor, but not elite upside play, and so that doesn't typically interest fantasy folks. And uh, and that's that's pretty much who he is. Like he's a good football player, but uh, so I think it made sense that he was at back end of round two, despite being mocked as like a round two wide receiver. But uh, Mims is funny because he was like a Debbie darling for a couple of years because he came in as like a top fifty recruiter, or so in his class, um, never peaked analytically speaking. Uh, but he was always super efficient, like that. Why I think it was two years ago, like the entire uh, like stat chart of every wide receiver was like speaking of yards per reception, it was like 9.9, like 10.4, 11.1 at the best, and then all of a sudden, Marvin Mim is 22 yards per reception. It's like, what, how is that possible? Um, because he's just really explosive and wins downfield, and um, it's fun. I think he gets day two capital, and it made sense that he's in this range. He might go in the, in, round, in round three though of, of rookie drafts because uh, he just he lost some some steam to his hype. I think Kendon Hooker could go even later than this, but it's an absolute shame that that's the, that's the case because if he was a year younger um, and didn't have an ACL, uh, there's no reason he wouldn't be in the conver- conversation to be the QB one in this clown, uh, class class, uh, let alone uh, you know QB three or
0: four. Yeah, I think it, it, it's to the point where I get, obviously Hooker Hooker's not going to be a first-round uh, draft capital kind of player. <laughs> it's just not going to happen with the ACL tear especially. Uh, maybe he could have worked his way there, you know, had he been 100% healthy. Uh, we've seen crazier stuff happen. Uh, I get there's a lot of arguments with the system, QB and all that kind of stuff with Hooker, but man, at the end of the second, taking a guy like that and knowing that it's probably going to take a year but what are you expecting with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis like at th- at the very least you're expecting it to take a year but you're not taking him at 108 you're taking him at 212 or like you said possibly even later i kind of love taking in a hooker around this range and and just hoping for the best like i said i don't think it's going to pay too much in dividends in year 1 but man he showed a lot like he showed arm strength he showed uh athleticism he showed you know the ability to command an offense and all that kind of stuff everything that i kind of look for in a qb now it took him five years to do it or at least four and then he built on it from you know in his fifth year and then you add an acl tear but man i i kind of love that pick and then marvin mims if i can get marvin mims at 211 i'm going to be a very happy camper i get that he 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 probably had bigger hype more hype uh you know, going into Debbie drafts and all that kind of stuff. But that, uh that athleticism and everything, once again, it's kind of like an arbitrage Quentin Johnston, not the size, obviously, but you know, that athleticism, that burst, that, that speed that you're looking for if you're talking, but I think he's actually a better receiver than Quentin Johnston. Now that's not saying that I'm, you know, taking him above Quentin Johnston or anything like that per se, but I think he actually, you know, is better route runner, better, you know, actual wide receiver than Quentin Johnston. Whereas Johnston might have more elite uh, talent or whatever you want to call it, that kind of thing, speed, I should say. Uh, so I love getting a Marvin Mims at two eleven, and uh, Aaron knows that my uh, Abanaconda love uh, changed quickly once I figured out that he was not a senior. For some reason, I thought he was a senior this year, and then I, I figured out uh, after Aaron graciously told me. He was a junior, and then I all of a sudden fell in love with the Bonaconda. So the only player I really disagree with here is Rasheed Rice. I, I want nothing to do with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, like I said, it's not that I, I really want to take him a bunch. He's just he's a good football player, you know. Like he's gonna stick. I just that's just like, upside's not sexy. <laughs> I don't know if you were or, or, or Aaron, are you higher on on Rice?
2: Um, not necessarily higher. So he he was a very uh, pivotal player in my C 2 C. Um, championship run, and yeah, so I definitely have, uh, I guess, some connection or some tie there where I I want him to succeed, but if I'm being realistic, no, I I think you laid out very well his his probable upside, his most likely outcome, being a longtime NFL guy who's just not really a stud. He's not going to give us an edge on our fantasy teams, most likely, and he doesn't necessarily have this elite athleticism. It took him so long at SMU to really stand out unfortunately but he, he is a fun player just for nfl purposes maybe not not quite as fun so i would like to see him be replaced um maybe by Dalton Kincaid, another guy. I, I have a hundred percent roster ship of him in c to c and <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan always have been, but well, I should say since this last year, I was a big believer, but um, th- there's other guys who are certainly interesting in this spot. I think Roshan Johnson, I, I know we didn't cover anything senior bowl related, but that's going on this week. He looked good day one. He's, he's just this built guy who didn't get an opportunity because, Oh, guess who he was behind. Well, first of all, he's a quarterback. Um, a quarterback coming into college, converted to running back, and then he's behind Bijan Robinson. I mean, that's if anybody's going to block you, I'm not going to hold that against Roshan Johnson. Let's just say that. So I don't know if either of you have thoughts on maybe guys who could slot in into the second round or, or Rasheed Rice instead of Rasheed Rice or otherwise.
0: Yeah, I, uh, well, first, uh, Coop says that Rice was like two inches shorter than, than he said he was. Um, I'm guessing he he must have uh, measured in at the Senior Bowl. and, today, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was a little shorter. So um, I don't really – once again, I don't necessarily care about height and weight with wide receivers, so that doesn't necessarily bother me, but I'm sure it'll bother other people, and maybe he'll drop because of that. And if he doesn't do – Uh, Like Travis was saying, if he doesn't go crazy at the senior bowl and we see some of these other wide receivers kind of stand out, then, you know, maybe he will fall a little bit. And then that'll that's a good transition into the rest of the players that did not actually receive like technical votes, uh, but but received votes for like who should be available in these uh, in these polls. And so, you know, basically like 301 through 312 or, or whatever is Deuce Vaughn, Chase Brown, Darnell Washington, Kenny McIntosh, Cedric Tillman, Dalton Kincaid, Roshan Johnson, Rakeem Jarrett, Eric Gray, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Kraft. Um, so we have a couple tight ends there, actually three tight ends, and uh and, and everybody but I know uh Aaron you know just talked about Roshan Johnson and um, who was the other one? Oh, Dalton Kincaid, uh, you know, that that he would move up there. Is there anybody from that list that you, uh, Travis, that you would rather have in place of Rice there?
1: Uh, yeah. So I think Tank Dell might uh, work his way up. I know he's uh, really slight in weight, but he's he just plays at a different speed, man. <laughs> like, uh, he, like he's already just looked really good at the Senior Bowl this week because, of course, he would. Um, you know, back to back, 1300 plus yard seasons with at least a dozen touchdowns for houston and uh, all the adjusted metrics are going to be check 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 for him and he's going to be one of the fastest wide receivers at the combine Uh, i think he's somebody that probably rises up um pretty soon and so i think uh, i'm sure the 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 mojo folks are going to actually be probably putting something on on social about him just talking about uh they they, they've got you know plans with some social stuff on like the guys that are getting a bunch of buzz and it seems like dell is in that range and Uh, It just makes sense. Uh, He just is the perfect kind of day two um, speedster with a a solid profile. Uh, So I think he probably passes up a lot of these guys um, and passes up Rashi Rice eventually in terms of uh, just consensus. Um, If if he doesn't, it's just because of the weight thing again uh, because he's really skinny. But um, but besides that, like Cedric Tillman, I would have liked him 10 years ago. Uh, But I don't (laughs) know. He's uh, just—he doesn't really separate necessarily, Uh, and he's a little bit bigger, but he doesn't really do anything well except of like you know dominate at the catch point, which is cool. But that's what a lot of guys do. Uh, So yeah, I don't know. Uh, There's not a bunch of that I would like obviously move up. If Deuce Vaughn was bigger, I'd move him up. (laughs) Kenny McIntosh was fun, like he was this year, but I'm not sure I can move him up into that range, like second round. But Dell
0: definitely should be higher.
2: And Tajay Spears. Two lane running back.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's getting the hype. I know that much. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but he's definitely getting hyped. <laughs> I think if I was going to move somebody up, it would be Kincaid. Um, I, I guess I've professed my love uh, for Dalton Kincaid at this point uh, through <laughs> through the pod. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm not a big Tank Dell fan, uh, but although I do respect the speed, because I mean he has a huge like he he is. He is the Devin Chain of wide receivers, if you will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, that that's great. Uh, you know. I think you were. I, I know from talking to you in the group chats that you were very pleased with the way that the uh, the polls worked out this year. To where I think it was the first year, if I remember correctly, that you truly got kind of like a third round out of it, even though necessarily like, they didn't necessarily vote on them, but they kind of did that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you know, how did you feel about the the wrap up in this third round, if you will? Yeah, I, I tried to, I tried something different. I almost did like a little
1: tournament of polls it was kind of, it's a little hard to follow, but I was like, look, I'm going to have like two groups of four that are going to be in, they're going to move up into the next group of four to just be in consideration (laughs) for the last pick because I wanted to see who really should be up there. Um, And that, that made it really clear uh, who the next 12 were. It really outlined it um, pretty easily. So I was was really happy to see uh, some deeper results than I uh, typically have ever I uh, tried to 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 find. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a battle royale. It's like it was. Like, yeah, it was like a it was like Super Smash Brothers like tournament mode. You know what I mean? So, but uh, <laughs> um. but uh, yeah. One more note though, Henry Hooker. You mentioned it took him a long time to break out. I will say he has four years. Uh, when you like look at his advanced passing profile, four years uh, of at least the 68th percentile or better. Even when he was at, at Virginia Tech, he had he had two years of 68th percentile, 80th percentile, playing with a trash offensive system and no-skill position, position players to mention. Uh, and then two consecutive seasons well above the 90th percentile in uh, scheme-adjusted pass efficiency. Uh, to, and then he also is a fantastic runner. So it's like,
0: wow, I wish he was healthy because, man, he could be fantastic. Yeah. But that also means that you're going to get them at a 212 or possibly oh, yeah. later rather mm. than possibly 112 or, or wherever. So, I mean, it, this could be a blessing in disguise, although yeah. I, I would much rather him be just healthy Same. than than all Same. of this, uh, you know, especially because it's going to affect the draft capital. And we do know at that point, draft capital can affect their ability to get on the field and, and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. That's rock party. Unless you're Brock Purdy and you're just that damn good. (laughs) All right. I I think I already know the answer to this question, but uh, if you had to pick one, who is the sleeper in this draft class for you? Uh, It doesn't, I mean, obviously it can't be a guy in the top 12, but, you know, beyond that, if you had to pick one. Oh, man. I think it it would be um, somebody
1: who could, like, come from the mid-range to... Hey, wow, he's threatening Bijan Robinson for running back one a few years from now. Uh, that would be Tank Bigsby. Um, I, it might not happen, but um, I swear I'm not an Auburn homer here. Like, I, I, my family roots for Auburn. Uh, but actually, I hate what Auburn did. Like, just at, over the last three years, it's been a, a dumpster fire. It's been horrible. Uh, but it hasn't been because of Tank. Uh, Tank was. Like a top fifty player in his class coming in, and he was the only player that I thought at the time could actually pass up Bijan Robinson, mainly because Zach Evans was was also in that class. I was kind of a head case throughout his recruiting journey, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna put Tank and Bijan one two, uh, Bijan barely with an edge there, but um, I, he just has three really good seasons, not elite seasons, but really good seasons, like three seasons of at least fifty five percent of the backfield's offense. Um, And really didn't top out because, well, uh, the coaching was a mess. The offensive line was a mess. The quarterback play was inconsistent. um, And it was in in the SEC. It was still productive every single year against SEC competition. So he has all the traits. He has good enough production. And he does everything well. And um, he has the pedigree. He has everything going for him that I like to see. Check, check, check. It's just not like perfection. And so I think 2.04 was the absolute floor that I saw coming and that's what happened. I don't think that there's any chance that he goes later than this in an actual rookie draft once the capital happens. So I think he could be a first round consensus uh, type player in most rookie drafts and then actually be even better than that.
0: Interesting. So you really do uh, lend credence to the, the offense just really held him back.
1: Yeah, just very, very much so. Um, he was one of those guys that looks good when you look at the uh, yards after contact per attempt numbers because he was basically always getting hit. Um, and in terms of like eluded or missed tackles, force, depending on like which stat provider you're looking at and what they call the stat, um, he was elite. And so his, his elusiveness rating is, is very high. Uh, Bijan's was stupid. Uh, Bigsby was like second in, in the stupid good rating, you know? <laughs> so uh, I like big B to exceed the current expectation more than anyone.
0: Toronto, Dave actually, uh, brings up kind of a. a I mean, you're talking about the eluding uh, tackles and everything. Uh, he's talking about tank feels like Monty, uh, like David Montgomery. Um, do you feel like that's a, a quality comp? I mean, maybe, maybe you would say tank has a little bit more speed. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, but what you would say, but, uh, uh, just talking about like the eluding tackles and things of that nature. like that's kind of what Montgomery was all about. Whereas he didn't have a lot of elite other things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was his big thing.
1: Yeah. David Montgomery had had the benefit of being in a, in a dreadfully weak running back class. Right. So if he was in this group, he wouldn't even be ranked. Like if he was just same, everything coming out this year, he wouldn't be at the 2.04. He, uh, M- Montgomery would be later. Like he would be in the, the Kendra Miller kind of tier uh, by consensus anyway, just as a prospect. So I think I like that in terms of um, you know limited by some offensive things, and he wasn't always efficient. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'd prefer Bigsby just yeah. as prospects.
2: And I think that's fair. He's he's more athletic than Monty too. He's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna be. Um, a little bit better, at least burst wise. We we don't know about the top end speed. Tank Bigsby being like a four six guy coming out of high school, but honestly, I could see him going in the four four fives. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see it. I I I, I may know Tank Bigsby hater, uh, but it, it very well could just be because of the offense. Um, it it's also more so that people love him so much that I, I get a little contrarian <laughs> when it, when it comes to it, uh, because I, but I just, it's more so that I, I love these other running backs. Like we've talked about how, how quality this class is. I love mm-hmm. these other running backs so much more that I'm just not willing to take him in the first. And I've heard so many people taking him in the first and, and that's when it becomes a problem for me. Um, I, I really won't, I I've said it before, like, I really want not argue with, uh, even tank being in that two hundred four range or anything like that, uh, I still I have said it before. I, I love me some Kendra Miller. I I, I got to have Kendra before tank. <laughs> we can start having other conversations after that, but I got to have Kendra up there. Uh, real quick, how how do you feel about Kendra? You are in agreement here? Because I think Aaron and I are, are are pretty much in lockstep here.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's still the the streak's still going. But I'm not. I don't think that there's been a TCU. Uh, running back that's actually scored a fantasy point since Ladanian Tomlinson retired. Um, it's just funny. Like, there hasn't been any of any, like, there's been some almost, uh, like some people like really like Shewa Oloni Lua for a little bit, but uh, he didn't even pan out either. Like, he was on the Cowboys, I think, for a hot second. And I don't think he actually did a, a live game stat. Uh, so it's just funny. Uh, like, it's weird. Uh, they, they just have not hit. And we thought, oh, Zach Evans is going to fix that. Nope transferred and so, <laughs> but uh Kendra Miller was productive sharing the backfield even at times uh with Zach Evans um so yeah I, I definitely like him he, he's just like another one of those players good at everything great at not necessarily anything but uh definitely profiles just overall as like a late day two pick and so I think if that happens then he's going to be in the mix for uh early early opportunity and so that that's that's fun I think uh you know, I, I can't rank him rank him above like uh, I think Bigsby. I don't have him in like my top seven. I think even, but he's like uh, right uh, like RBs. I mean, right outside that that uh, that tier looking in.
0: Sure. All right. So we've talked quite a bit here, and and I really do appreciate your time and everything. It's been a lot of fun, um, Aaron. When I uh, when I said that we were having you on and everything. Uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily because of you. Uh, I don't think that when he, when he thinks of Travis may that he thinks of hot takes, but he just mentioned that he kind of wanted us to, uh, to, to, to have a hot take on this, on this pod. So uh, if you had to come up with a hot take and we try to stay realistic, so we're not, you know, we're not going crazy. We're not just saying things just to say things or anything like that. But if you had to have a hot take for uh, the 2023 Debbie season, where would, uh, you know, or wh- what would you come up with here? Because I think there's a lot of different ways you can go. We have, actually, I think my lights are turning on uh, off my, uh, my lights are automated here. So, <laughs> but, it, but, but what would be your hot take for uh, the 2023 Debbie season? Uh, as in like future outcomes or like something that. Um... It, it could be just something that happens this Debbie season or, you know, or, or like, a player that people really love that all of a sudden they don't love nearly as much because of this season, like something to that effect. I think there will be seven
1: future first round quarterbacks that come out of the 2023 true freshman recruiting class this year. Seven.
2: Wow. that doesn't I mean, sound... there's definitely some hype. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love it. it. Yeah. That doesn't I, sound I, like
1: I... super hot to most people like that don't follow recruiting, but like, that's a lot.
0: <laughs> no, so I mean think about it. Like we're we're talking about the 2023 class has basically two quarterbacks that we like love. And then you know, you have a couple others that are that are oh maybe they have something. So if you're saying seven, I mean that's that's just a substantial substantial difference there.
1: <laughs> I, like I like it. I like a lot of them. And I'm not saying not saying that it'll all be in the same draft, but um, you know. Five of them, know, four of them will come out in early declare, and then three of them will smash in year four, or five, or seventeen if they, you know, if the eligibility keeps going as crazy as it has been, um, you know, and then eventually be first round picks. Like I really like Dante Moore, uh, UCLA. Like he's probably my q one at this point. Uh, Malachi Nelson, I like a lot, and he's a Lincoln Riley quarterback. Come on, automatic first. <laughs> uh, Arch Manning has the last name Manning automatic first uh so (laughs) and so then you got nico Iamalayaba, the eight million dollar man uh at tennessee going to a really quarterback friendly scheme and then jackson arnold at oklahoma who might actually be better than all of them and then you have another tier um of guys that are like in that almost good enough that are going to schools that typically get quarterbacks drafted like christopher vizina going to clemson you got uh holstein and lonergan going to alabama and then you have Like, this really fun tier of guys, even beyond that, that could be first-round picks. Uh, And J.J. Cole um, at at Iowa State, uh, Jaden Rashada, wherever he goes. Like, we're going to find out where he goes. I I don't think he's there yet, but he's got, like, that really prolific 7v7 experience that has typically translated to uh, future NFL success. Um, And then, like, even, like – oh, man. Avery Johnson is, like, the best quarterback recruit Kansas State's ever gotten. And Austin Navasad that ended up, you know, choosing I guess Oregon over Baylor. Like all these guys are making good decisions to put them in a spot to compete for early opportunity, uh, or you know, year two opportunity, and then to just smash. And and so it could be it could be an underestimation when it's all said and done. This is the best, this is the best quarterback group of recruits we've ever seen, and it's not close.
2: Wow, what what a way to end the pod there. And I didn't even I didn't prepare a hot take myself, but it was going to actually be if I did say something, it was going to be like the quarterback play in the next couple of years from the young guys in college football. It's going to be crazy. Some of the names that we see rise up and, um, and break out because the 2025 class, you know, this last year's freshman class. There's some very interesting guys from that year as well. So, yeah, it, fun times ahead uh, for quarterbacks and, and Debbie.
0: I agree. That is actually is pretty exciting. And I will say that, uh, you know, just looking, I haven't, I don't do, get into nearly as much of the recruit rankings as uh, Aaron and obviously Travis do. Uh, but I, I, I'm getting into it now for the season and uh, the QBs look very good and they went to a lot of good, spots you know like we uh, there's a lot of spots that that needed qbs that got qbs and we can't always say that sometimes it's like oh well this top qb went to ohio state and he's behind three other QBs, you know or that like that kind of thing like uh drew Lawer went to penn state but guess what penn state's always gonna play sean clifford if he's there like it's just <laughs> some of those things but yet we we actually got some good landing spots here i actually i i had uh y- you know me I, I at this point last year Uh, I couldn't go a pod without talking about tank Bigsby. this year. I can't go a pod without talking about Luther burden. I had one, uh, a hot take uh, for Luther burden and uh, Malik neighbors, but because we're sticking to the QBs here, I'm going to go ahead and say that Drake may will be the QB one over Caleb Williams. When it's all said and done (laughs) next season, Uh, because drake may is is the stud and caleb williams is very very good but he is not drake may uh that is going to be my hot take with a little bit of realism into it that's uh spicy it it is spicy and and a lot of people hate it um (laughs) and i i understand that but i love me some drake may so i'm gonna go ahead and put it out there and uh it, in Toronto Dave says who could have seen that coming from me yeah of course yeah yeah I'm the hot take guy nobody here, maybe, so nobody, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> absolutely all right well Travis this has been a lot of fun uh I think I think we gained a lot of info here a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really cool uh to dive or delve into your uh your, your rookie poll here and and you know trying to figure out what we liked what we hated what we loved and all that kind of good stuff in between um but uh why don't you go ahead and tell us about where we can find you? You know, with Mojo and and everything else, um, and what else you have going on. Maybe like an insight into the the future of uh, of Mojo.
1: Sure, yeah. The list of places where you find me is much shorter these days. At one point, I was doing like Titans Titans coverage, Falcons coverage, like some Action stuff, Fantasy Pros Debbie column, and like and then RotoViz. It was just it was way too much. Dynasty League Football. It was way too much. And now I'm like, nope mojo that's it (laughs) so i don't actually really do content for them i think a lot of people thought i was like oh he's gonna go do content for them like no it's much nerdier than that like it's a bunch of analytical modeling and stuff and i don't really do written content for them um i do still do the college to kenton podcast took a brief hiatus from that um as stefan and i are kind of both been in transitions uh lately but um yeah we're about to get back into it with draft season uh talking some top prospects. So college, the Kenton podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then, um, you know, if you want to see some stats that I probably pitched to somebody, you can check out all the awesome written work that uh, Mojo uh, actually has on their site. Like they've got some really fun content and some great writers there. Um, so yeah, that, that's basically where you can find me and, and, at FF underscore Travis M on Twitter. Um, glad to answer as, as many DMs as I can. Sometimes I, I miss them. Sometimes I look at them and I'm at, I'm like, uh, changing my kid's diaper and then I forget to respond. <laughs> you know, like that stuff. And so I just I just forget sometimes. So sorry about that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm love having conversations with anybody about about football in general. So
0: yeah. That's awesome. You've been a great guest. I uh, really appreciate you coming on once again. Uh, Aaron lost his uh, headphones, so he's not going to be a part of the conversation anymore. But uh, I appreciate everything. I appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, you know, we'll be back uh, as soon as possible. You know, with the Debbie devotional, it's it's whenever we can. We, we definitely try to stick to a routine, but it doesn't always work out. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back as soon as possible. Until then, we're cashing out. See you guys. we we'll